is Security Now with Steve Gibson. Episode 4 for September 8, 2005. Passwords. Gibson is on the line, our security wizard, the king of security. I'm, I'm the guy who coined the term spyware, uh, of course, created Shields Up, which has saved over f- almost 40 million people from themselves. Yeah, and, we, uh, we, we passed 38 million the it's other amazing. day. It's amazing. This is the Shields Up. GRC.com and the author of Spinrite, which is still, to this day, after over a decade, the best hard drive recovery and uh, test solution out there. GRC.com. Okay. Last week we did uh, this thing on uh, routers. And I don't know about you, but I got a ton of mail on this. Well, I did too. And in fact, I want to bring up a few points that, that, that readers or listeners, I guess, uh, wrote back. Um, one guy uh, who said I could use his name, so he probably wants me to mention him. His name is Jeff McDonald. Uh, made, up, made the point that you, know, you and I were talking toward the end about the hardware versus the software firewall issue. That is, if we, have a, if we have a NAT router out on the front line, is there really a need for software firewalls on the machines? And you know, we were talking about the fact that software firewalls still allow you to do per-application control. Well, well, Jeff made the point that, well, sure, but if you're going to have a network of computers, then if something nasty got into one computer, then just... In, in the same way that we were talking about the Zotob worm in our very first podcast, where you know somebody brought it from the weekend home into the corporations, and then it got loose within the corporation's intranet. Similarly, you do want your individual machines protected, but each each of them behind the NAT router, so that if something nasty got into one of them, it wouldn't as easily spread through all the others. Well, that's just a subset of the general issue about software routers, which is if a beastie gets on your machine somehow, whether it's from somebody bringing a laptop in or you opening an attachment, you don't have a software firewall to protect you. Right, right. But on the other hand, uh, uh, if it is on your machine, it can turn off the software firewall, whereas if, it's on, if the bad guy's on somebody else's machine on my network, at least my firewall will protect me. Right, and of course, you know, that's always going to be the problem with a software firewall, that the software running in the same computer is vulnerable to anything that's, that's in that computer. Yeah. Um, also, we, we talked about both the tiny and the Karyo and firewalls. They're not going to be free much longer. Uh, well, exactly. Tiny has been purchased very recently, it turns out, by Computer Associates, you know, CAI. So that's probably going to go away. And it turns out that the, the Karyo personal firewall is still available, but their server firewall version is being discontinued at the end of this month, mm. at the end of September 30th. Well, so, what do we know, do? It's really uh, looking like free firewalls are beginning to become pretty scarce. Well, is Zone Alarm still have a free version? Zone Alarm still does. Uh, it, it suffers from sort of a kitchen sink syndrome. They're trying to be feature complete, that is to keep up with Symantec, that's just you know a huge, bloated firewall. It's, I mean, it does all kinds of things for people. And for, for many people, it's the right solution because it, it does cookie management and pop-up blocking and all kinds of stuff. But I really like a, a trimmer sort of application-specific solution. Well, that, that Zone Alarm was in the old days. To respond to this correspondence issue, even the Windows firewall would be sufficient in that case. That's really true. And in fact, uh, someone also mentioned that the Windows firewall in Service Pack 2 
does alert the user if a program running in the system wants to create a listening port. That is, it doesn't tell you if it just wants to communicate outwards, but if it was like a Trojan or a, a, a server of any kind that wants to set up a, a connection uh, and open a port for listening, the, even the current Windows firewall will tell you that that's going on, and, and you have to give it permission to do so. So that's a good thing. So probably for most people, uh, if you've got an at router, turning on the Windows firewall is, is adequate protection, Yes. I think that's that's true, except that you still wouldn't get the notification of some spyware that was phoning home. And that's probably a useful thing to do, even though the spyware could be aware of your firewall and circumvent it in order to get the message out if it right, wanted to. Right. You don't really have any assurance with a software firewall that you're not compromised. It just right. may catch some compromises. And then the, the last point I wanted to make from last week's podcast is an amazing number of people wanted me to talk about or mention SmoothWall, which is a sort of a prepackaged firewall based on Linux that includes Linux along with it. It's completely free. It's www.smoothwall.org is the website. We have Patrick and, to thank for that, because Patrick Norton was a big Smoothwall fan. Of course, you have to have a dedicated computer to run Smoothwall. I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's sort of off on a different branch of our main topic, which was how you could just use either a single NAT router or even two in order to create various types of, of security configurations. But for someone who's a more of a hard car, hardcore networking guy who's got you know an older machine that is no longer really speedy enough to run Windows and, and do useful things, especially with you know today's media sizes and so forth. If you can stick a few more NIC cards into it, you could definitely take an older PC, give it one interface card for the WAN, one interface card for your LAN, and a third interface card if you wanted to set up a true DMZ, a true sort of protected separate network, then SmoothWall is a terrific solution for that. You don't need to know Linux. It's got a web browser-based interface. I mean, it's got bells and whistles you can't even imagine. So for a higher-ender user, um, it's certainly the case that, that that would work. It's funny. We really touched on a nerve there. I mean, I got so much mail. And it seems like people who, for some reason, were really offended when you say, we, when I say, don't, I don't recommend a software firewall. I recommend an outrouter instead. Um, I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, that's just my opinion. So, and and you, 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 you think that probably it's not a bad idea to run a software firewall. Well, you know, you and I don't. We don't. But I'm also, I'm also extremely careful and, and paying attention to what my machine is doing from moment to moment. And, but on the other hand, it is because I was beta testing Zone Alarm right. that I first discovered spyware. But things have changed since then. Yeah. I mean, spyware is much yeah. more sophisticated than it used to be. And uh, it is also the case that Microsoft is becoming clearly security conscious. And as we know, Vista will offer an outbound blocking built-in right. firewall, right. Well, which is be... probably going to end up being the recommendation, right. as long as they can bolt it down enough so that software is enabled to turn it off and get around it. Right. So your recommendation now is what? Uh, certainly a NAT router continues to provide very good I mean, like perfect protection from external intrusion into the system. And I think that the Karyo personal firewall uh, version 4.2, which is the current one, the free version, not the server firewall, which is being discontinued at the end of the month, but the, the current personal firewall, I think that's the best solution for a nice 
you know, not heavy. It's very small. It's one of the smaller firewalls around in terms of download size and just lightweightness, and it behaves itself very well. And I'm just going to say that in my because I've had so much experience with people installing Zone Alarm and having problems. Uh, you know, anytime you put system level software on your machine, you know, some percentage machines are going to have compatibility issues, slowdowns, crashes, maybe even stop working. I'm just going to say, it, using that router, if you want a little more expert protection, turn on the Windows firewall. If you're using XP Service Pack 2, that's a pretty darn good combination. I really think that's the case, yes. Yeah. All right, now let's move on to something that people don't pay enough attention to, and probably should, passwords. Right. Right. There was an interesting comment made by, uh, actually, Microsoft's senior program manager for for their security policies, a guy named uh, Jesper Johansson, at a conference a few months ago. He stood up in front of the room and said to everybody that the recommendations most corporations give their employees, if not like formal security policy, is wrong. Most companies are now telling their employees, do not write down your passwords because of the problem of, you know, people gone at lunchtime and, uh, and someone comes into your cubicle and sees your passwords written down on Post-it notes. Yeah, people, and, people leave their passwords on the monitor. Well, and of course, the, the classic from, from so many movies is somebody turning the, the keyboard upside down and right. there's the password <laughs> written on the underside right. of the keyboard. Why did he say that that was bad advice. That seems like good advice. Don't write it down. Well, I, what's interesting is that this got picked up, and then a a real security guru, uh, Bruce Schneier, who does who's you know counterpain dot com, uh, really understands security, is in complete agreement hmm. that that passwords should be written down. Um, the point is that if you don't allow people to write down passwords. They are forced to choose really dumb ones because <laughs> they can't remember anything because better. Because they can't exactly, <laughs> they they can't remember a complex password which will not be in a dictionary. So if you if you the idea is that corporations that are saying do not write down your passwords are Im- inherently forcing people to choose passwords that are easily guessable or prone to dictionary attack. That is to say, are by not by refusing to allow people to write them down they're having to choose bad passwords and that's worse than than writing them down um, the, the the point that Bruce makes which I think is a very good one is that write down your passwords on a small piece of paper and put them where you put your other private pieces of paper which is to say in your wallet he ma- he makes the point and I think it's a good one that people are already good about protecting written down information that they know they need to keep private. So don't put it on a post-it note on your monitor, (laughs) but stick it in your wallet. You already don't want people to get your credit cards, and you probably have other private information in your wallet that you don't want people to have access to. And and he makes the point that people are, are good about protecting that kind of information. Is it okay to use a software password wallet that uh, is, is, is protected on your system? And that's what I do. Well, that's really where I wanted this conversation to go. I wanted you and, and, and me to, to sort of open up the topic during this podcast and, and get people to think about what they can do about passwords. Because normally what happens is, you know, I mean, 
first of all, anyone who's using Internet services is being confronted with the need to create or enter, you know, to be involved with passwords because to do online services, whether it's eBay or Amazon or whatever, you're having to authenticate yourself on a more or less continuous basis. Most people have never taken some time to create their own policy, their own personal password policy. They, they're, they're on the web, they're doing something, and suddenly something says, okay, you got, give me a password, create a password. And so, you know, they think of, they, they just do the first thing that comes to mind, whatever that might be. And so I wanted to take some time to, to discuss the issue of passwords and, and cause our listeners to sort of say, okay, wait a minute, this is an important thing. I'm going to, you know, take five minutes and figure out what I want to do about this rather than continuing not to think about it and not to think that it's important because I think it arguably really is an important issue. So create a personal password policy and uh, and do it now while you've got the leisure to think about it. I'll tell you what I, I do. I try to create passwords that are both strong and memorable by using various mnemonics and, and devices. Let's, let's start off by what is a good password, Steve? Well, we know that... that Strong passwords are things that are not in dictionaries. One of the most powerful attacks against passwords is just so-called dictionary attack. And there are like 300 megabyte dictionaries, I'm sorry, 30 megabyte dictionaries that, that are floating around the net that contain just about every word you can imagine. So if you've got a real word, a pet name, a personal name, uh, you're, you're going to be cracked pretty quick. Forget it. Exactly. It's it's like people who use who use their names in email get spam without ever having told anyone right. <laughs> what their name is because their name is in every one of these spam lists. Right. And so the spammers just use use dictionaries to to drive their spam sending. And and so the same sort of approach can be used in cracking a password. You just simply guess what the password is from a list of all known feasible words, and it, it's amazing how often that's effective. How so about you, a nonsense word? You absolutely word? don't want to just use a normal word or your name or your pet name or anything right. like that. How about a nonsense word? Is that acceptable? Well, the the best con the best passwords are are not easily guessable and not obvious. So, for example, a mixture of letters and numbers mm -hmm. makes a good password. A little punctuation salted in for good measure. Or, or something, for example, maybe a word that, that you scramble up. Mm -hmm. One of the most interesting approaches for websites is to come up with sort of a personal hash of, of the domain name of the website. There's a, for example, there's a dashboard widget that does this. It's kind of ah, a neat. Okay. So you have a standard password that you use on all sites, but you hash it with uh, pass the uh, domain name of the site. Is well, the problem is that that requires the use of some software, and for right. example, a software a software password wallet is also a nice approach. The problem is that that it's not portable. Right. And so if you're ever at someone's at at, at a friend's house or away from you. your desk. Yeah. Um, and the other problem is, of course, that could be stolen, or somebody could, if you someone got the master password for that, oh then they unlock your your password wallet and they got all your passwords. Right. What I'm thinking of is imagine a simple algorithm that you can memorize, which is a way of like mutating the domain where you're visiting ah. in a way that is unique to you. For example, take every other letter from the the domain name 
or every third letter. Uh, come up with a rule for capitalizing them. Swap some letters around. You know, just sort of make up your own algorithm and that you don't share with anybody else and don't use anything that I've talked about on the show, of course, and, and use that to create a password. The beauty is that it'll be unique. It'll not be in a dictionary unless, unless you don't have a very good algorithm. <laughs> but, but once you know what it is, you don't have to remember the password any longer because you can always regenerate it. And wherever you are, you can regenerate it. I mean, you, it might take a little bit of pencil and paper work, depending upon, or, or maybe it's something that you can sort of type in as you look at the, 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 the domain name. So, like, you know, reverse the order of certain groups of letters, change the capitalization in a special way. Maybe mi- take the name and, like, mix in uh, the year of your birth, alternating that with the letters. I mean, mm. you can get creative, mm-hmm. but the beauty is. It's your own. It's basically it's your own password password hashing algorithm that that takes the the domain mixes something that's unique to you in and maybe tack on some a couple gibberish characters that are that that, that part you don't ever change but the gibberish is completely made up. You this know, is a good Q technique. Seven Z, right. you know, W. Something. I like this. So if I'm on nytimes.com, I could uh, say intermix my year of birth. Uh, and every other letter, and then uppercase every third letter. So I'd have lowercase n, 1, uppercase y, 9, and so forth. And that would not be a guessable password. Exactly. It's going to create a super strong password. It's going to be an algorithm. I mean, okay, if two people on the planet had the same algorithm by chance, that's not a problem either. No. Because the chances you which are, two. <laughs> you know, because there are so many algorithms right. that no one's going to be able to figure out what the algorithm right. is. Right. So if there was an algorithm collision, as we would call it in, in, in cryptography, that doesn't weaken your use of your passwords. But it does create something that's portable. That, I mean, you might want to write the rules down. You could, you could imagine writing them down in your wallet in mm-hmm. case you ever forgot mm-hmm. them. And nobody who looked at it would know what that was. They'd go, what the heck yeah. is this? Especially if you did it a little cryptically, you know. Sure. Alternate third letter with year of birth. I mean, nobody's going to think of that. Hey, exactly. Let me know, before we wrap, let me ask you a question, Steve. How do you do your passwords? <laughs> uh, I'm not as good as I should be. Um, I have always sitting next to me is, is, a, is a Palm Pilot, which is my address book and a list of all of that kind of stuff. It's just my master notepad. And I, I do have a huge number of passwords that I've used over time. So what, what will happen is if, if I'm away from my Palm Pilot, I'll have to hope that the website I'm using <laughs> is patient as I'm running through all the possible passwords That's what that I it do might too. be. <laughs> it's embarrassing. That's what <laughs> wait, I do wait, too. Did I use this one here? <laughs> yeah. Did I use that one there? Yeah. Wait, which one did I use? I have a few what I consider high security passwords, some medium security passwords, and some low security passwords. Uh, now, that's another very good point because it's certainly the case that not all things require the same level of protection. Right. The you, New York example, Times, I don't really care if, they, if my password's guessed. Exactly. Right. One thing you you don't want to do, however, uh, something that got me a while ago. I've been a victim of credit card fraud online twice. Mm. Um, and the, the most recent case was that my, my bank apparently used an online web form that allowed you to change your mailing address, 
which I think is a really bad thing for the bank to do in the first place. Yes. But because what happened was that somebody was ordering stuff shipped to Colorado rather than Southern California, and and my bank, you know, the, a red flag finally went up. They realized something strange was going on. My my behavior pattern had changed, and mostly. I was now in, Cal- in Colorado, Colorado, apparently, which <laughs> never happened. Right. The, po- the point is that even though my password was different, the bank used mother's maiden name oh, as, uh, as, as authentication. Well, somewhere else on a different site, I had used it not as my password, but as like a password reminder kind right. of thing. Right. And the point is that... There are places where in a, in a, it's a common security problem. It's called repurposing. That is, I didn't use my mother's maiden name as a password, but I did use my mother's maiden name knowing that it was my mother's maiden name in order to have a password reminder on another right. site. Right. So any employee of that facility would have a list of all the mother's maiden names yes. of people. And if they then went to somewhere else that was actually using the mother's maiden name as the password, they're, you know, you're cracked, basically. It's not such a hard thing to find out somebody's mother's maiden name No, either, it's, it's, so. it, that's probably the, uh, a good example of the worst possible thing you could use <laughs> yeah. to, to protect yourself. Well, and let's not forget uh, 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 Paris Hilton, who used her dog's name as her uh, password reminder. And, of course, everybody knew her dog's name and figured that that would probably be what she'd use. So... That's a bad choice. So uh, I, I think we want to get some feedback, don't we, from people on uh, how they do this, what they recommend, and, uh, and what works for them, maybe if they use some password software, that kind of thing. Uh, should sure they go to your will. site? And uh, we can certainly uh, start off uh, next week's show by talking about what the feedback we get from That's this. That's great. But more than anything, the message would be give this some time. Rather than always being in a hurry, needing to come up with a password quickly, take some time now, maybe invent your own cool little algorithm that takes any domain name and turns it into a password that, that you can use. And again, the beauty of that is that way you're creating an, a different password every time, hmm. never using the same one twice on different domains, and you're able to recreate that without needing to memorize it. I love it. It's your personal portable password policy. From Mr. Steve Gibson. GRC.com is the website. Uh, Security Now, is uh, it comes out every Thursday. Uh, if you want to subscribe, uh, you can either go directly to the feed, which is leo.am slash podcasts slash sn. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Podnova, Odeo, all the usual places. Or just go to GRC.com, where Steve makes available not only the 64-kilobit version, but also a lo-fi version for those of you on the dial-up or we just want a smaller file size. Oh, and also text and PDF text transcripts of the shows I also. Are people downloading the transcripts? Yes, and we're getting a lot of positive feedback. On your, on your first tweet um, in the Apple Store last week, I noticed that you did a poll asking people uh, if they like the 64K bit, if they like the 32-bit mm-hmm. uh, or 32K bit they all or wanted, less. They all wanted the For high quality. Worth, we're getting a lot of downloads of the more efficient, you know, leaner uh, 16K bit. So it's it's very popular also with people who are getting this over modem. Well, we'll keep doing that. And, and really, it's the content that counts. And that's why, of course, we offer it in so many different ways. Steve, Absolutely. always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, Lee. I look forward to it. That's it for Episode 4 of Security Now with Steve Gibson. Our thanks to AOL Radio at AOLmusic.com for providing the bandwidth for Security Now. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed or to give us feedback, visit grc.com slash securitynow.htm. 
You'll also find transcripts and low-fidelity versions of the same show there. To subscribe, visit the iTunes Music Store, click the podcast section, or just download a podcasting program like iPod or X and enter leo.am slash podcasts slash sn. And of course, you can hear Security Now on AOL Radio in the podcasting channel. I'm Leo Laporte. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. We'll see you next week.